What's up, everybody? Hey, welcome to all my friends. Today, we have a great show for you. Today, I wanted to share some stuff about what it means to overcome, what it's like to deal with the junk and all the broken stuff and all the things that control us that we keep falling back into. Have you ever wanted to get over those struggles in your life? Well, today, we're going to talk about some of the big keys to do that. Every single thing that controls us is broken in Christ. Let me say that again. Everything has been broken by Jesus. All controlling forces like pornography, bitterness, pain, sex, drugs, and anger, all those things that creep up and that we want to control, we want to stop, we have access and the ability and the means to do that now in Jesus. So I just want to welcome everybody. Let's get right into this. Lost will be renewed long ago in the garden, it was to be now a dream fulfilled in you and me. In Romans 7 14, Paul said, So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. Verse 21. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am! Who will set me free from this life that is dominated by sin and death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So with my mind, I am trying to serve the law of God, but my flesh is still serving the law of sin. Chapter 8, verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. The law given to Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body just like our own bodies and condemned him to death as an offering for sin, thus condemning the actions of our ungodly desires and set us free. He did this so that the righteous deeds of the law would be fulfilled in us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Verse six, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Verse 9, you are not controlled by your sinful nature, you are controlled by the Spirit. Verse 12, therefore, my brothers, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. One thing that's been on my heart is the, the law of sin and death. Most of us are familiar with that. Um, passage says for um, now I'm not going to now that I'm saying that I'm not going to quote the verse right I love it when that happens but um, the law of Christ has set me free from the law of sin and death is that that's pretty close to the verse right and like I said there's a lot there's a lot to go into but I, I just want to give a brief thing that I've been thinking about with this is it has been taught and assumed and presumed by many people that the law of sin and death was the law that God gave to Israel in, at Sinai. And that when you sin, you commit a sin, there's a penalty for sin. And that 
the law in Christ here has set us free from that. And I believe that that is 100% false. That is not what he's referencing at all. The law of sin and death that he's referring to is the first law ever created. That God said, do not eat of the tree in the center of the garden, for on the day that you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. That's the law of sin and death that he was speaking of. And so Jesus came and set us free from that penalty. We were condemned. We are all condemned to death. And so this idea that, that somehow um, we were set free from an oppressive system that God himself made is, is a terrible, terrible idea that has caused all different forms of weakness, all different forms of rebellion in the believers' lives who have adopted this way of thinking. And so I don't want to really focus so much on, on that part of it as much as what Jesus did. The law of sin and death is in effect still, even though he broke it. The law of sin and death, when, when God said that to, and gave the command to, to Adam and Eve, they broke the law and were condemned to death. But what we know, death is not an easy thing. It's not just a quick thing. It's a long-term uh, erosion and destruction because it unleashed sin, uh, you know, where we get the ideas of Pandora's box and, and all these different kinds of things in society. We have, we understand that it, it is a long-term thing that makes life nearly impossible. And that's what he's dealing with in Romans talking about the difficulty of, of you know, wanting to do righteous and not being able to do righteous and, and all the different struggles in life, Jesus came and he broke that. He broke that power. You are no longer under that authority that happened when the fall happened, when man fell from, from the grace of God. <laughs> this is not a term that people use in that term, but they were in the grace of God. They were in the presence of God. They were in the garden and they fell from that grace, God restored them to grace. And we restored us to grace. We are no longer under that law, but we are under grace. We're no longer condemned. We have no, no longer an obligation as a slave to continue to live by the dictates of ungodly desires. We are free to then choose. Hey, I choose God. At this moment right now, I choose to live for God. I choose to not be controlled by something that, that has tempted me. I choose to not um, live by something that has made me angry. I choose to look up and receive the righteousness of God that I desire from him, that I see him, that I saw Jesus live and I see in God. I look to him and I'm free to choose that now. Because I'm no longer under the penalty, under the condemnation, and under the law of sin and death. I am set free. This begins a journey on us individually, and it began a journey on the planet Earth towards the total freedom, the total freedom of all of the destruction, all of the degradation, and all of the struggle with sin and with just difficulty on the earth, it set in motion and began that journey. And we have seen 
amazing things happen because of that. People do not necessarily understand it, but the, the idea of freedom, when we are free to choose, began to grow in the hearts and minds of men that didn't just turn into to religion, not just serving God. It didn't just turn into doing what was right. It, ter- it unlocked things and ideas that created societies, that created technology, that gives us the ability to ha- have a comfortable room with AC running. All those types of things come through the development of this freedom that brings us back to the grace of God. Now, the process is not instantaneous. It's an individual level. It's not instantaneous. And on the earth, it's not instantaneous. But we have seen massive strides in the last 2,000 years, and we've seen lots of, of terrible difficulties still existing. So we have to be, we have to have real reality to what we're saying, what we're when we're looking at the earth, and not just be through, you know, rose-colored stained glass windows, everything looks pretty when, when we know the world still suffers. It absolutely does. But in Romans 8, it talks about the entire creation, waiting, groaning, in pain, desiring to be restored, um, desiring to bring forth this new life. And all of us are supposed to to recognize that the what what brings forth that that life it is it is not Jesus coming back that that it might be part in the in the story when you actually do it but that, that's not what Romans eight says it says they're looking for the manifestation of the sons of God the manifestation of the sons of God is this how do we manifest we are coming out <laughs> from behind all of these problems. All of these things that have controlled us, all the weakness and all the suffering that we have caused and that we have endured, we're coming out. We're manifesting the way Jesus lived, because that was the example. He manifested this, this life free from that, the life that he looked to his father, he saw what his father did, he obeyed. And so righteousness was fulfilled in him. And Romans 8 says, says, So that the righteous deeds of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. I like to use, instead of the flesh, I like to use the um, ungodly desires. Because I think that's what that word means, ungodly desire. It's not my physical body. It's not living in this world that is bad. It's not being alive that's bad. I need to die and go to heaven. It's not that. It is ungodly desires. And so the Spirit is living by the opposite of that, godly desires. <laughs> and he has said, and this is something that I really believe that, is, that God will give us the desires of our heart. In this process that we seek after him, we will get the desires of our heart. That doesn't mean if I want a, a brand new home or I want the best job, I'm going to get those things. God does bless us. That's a whole other topic about how God pours out blessing on us. That is true. He does promise blessings for those who obey him, but that's not what this is talking about. The desires of our heart are when I have bad desires and I'm tired of them. And I start looking to God, and I'm saying, God, 
I want to be like your son and I want to follow you, he begins to answer that cry. He begins to put a desire for more of that so that when I'm faced with something that I don't and I know that it's wrong, but I want it because I'm tempted, I also have this other desire that has been put in my heart. And so I have this desire to be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to, I know where that leads for one thing, but you, so you get more and more wisdom, you get more and more understanding, and so you, you have this, uh, this strength, this, more, this voice in your life that is calling you away from the things that once used to just suck you in, used to just pull you in, with, uh, because, and you didn't have control over it. But now you have control over it. You have the right, the freedom to choose. The freedom to choose that is now there. And the more you choose it, the more you focus on that, the more you think on those things and you have the, the godly desires walking in the Spirit, you will not. And that translation can be, and I think should be, you cannot fulfill the desires of the flesh, the ungodly desires. You cannot because when you focus on those things, you literally can't. It is only when you turn your attention away from that and ignore it, but the more you do it, the, more, the stronger it becomes. The desires that God is putting in our hearts become more and more who we actually are. And so the, 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 the controlling force in our life ceases to be the thoughts, the immediate gratification, the desires for something wicked, or the, the desire, the controlling force of anger or, or, or bitterness or any type of thing that causes me to react to it, the controlling force becomes the godly desire. What God puts before my eyes is something that is better, something that is stronger, something that yields peace and uh, life in Christ. In 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty four, Paul said, the end will come when he, Jesus, will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For he, Jesus, must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Verse 28. Now when all things are made subject to him, Jesus, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Now, we know that he said that all things, he's put all things under Christ. And then he says, but we don't see all things under Christ, but we do see Jesus lifted up high. We see it, and so we look unto him. And he said that he shall reign until all of his enemies be put under his feet. He will reign. He will reign. And that's, that is the rulership that he's reigning in creation, in us, through us. He's, he's, as we submit to him and receive these desires, we are, he is becoming the king, the ruler over all the different things that we put our hands to, that we possess, that we decide to do with our lives. He becomes ruler and he will reign until all things are put under his feet. And it says the last enemy, the final enemy that shall be put under his feet is death. The final enemy that he will put under his feet is death. Going back to the beginning that the law of sin and death that he broke, that when Adam and Eve ate of it, death entered the world 
the full overcoming of that will be, have been poured out, will have been dispensed into the earth, and death will be overcome. Now, I can go into a little bit, and I will scratch into it just a little bit. Again, these are not instantaneous things. We have been told in a moment in twinkling of an eye, all this thing's going to happen. Well, things happen in a moment in twinkling of an eye, but not everything at one time. Not it. What is the name of that movie? Everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, <laughs> uh, everything is not happening like that. We see God move, and it's real. We saw Jesus die for and, and be raised to life to, to give us this opportunity to forgive us of our sins and to walk in this newness. We see this, but we don't see it, everybody accepting it. We don't see everybody living by it. We don't see ourselves doing it perfectly. But there, will, there is a call and a purpose for his people to understand this, because as you submit to him, especially as you seek him, as you genuinely ask him for these desires, the things that used to control you, you now have the power to say no, the power to live in victory, and the power to actually do the thing that is best, that is good, and that you want to do. Because I don't know anybody that when you ask them straight up, um, do you want to have a bad life or do you want to have a good life? Nobody says, give me the bad life. When you say, um, do you want an ice cream cone or you want a dog poop? You know, nobody says, give me the dog poop. Nobody raises their hand for that because when you distinguish it that clearly, um, I should say no sane person does. <laughs> um, which another, another definition for, for a carnal mind is insanity, actually. If you go and, and look at the mind of Christ and you look in the Greek, it's really interesting the, with that. So sin is a form of insanity that takes over us. Um, but when you clearly define it, and that's one of the things that it is our job, to clearly define these things so people can choose the good. It says, I've set before you life and death. That choose therefore life. Um, that was the law, right? The big evil law that he had just given them uh, that everybody wants to say we're not under anymore. He said, that was life. And Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundant. He's showing us that the life, he said, I didn't come to do away with, to, uh, do away with the law. I came to establish it because he's giving us more abundant life. The more abundant life is access to things that were lost, and I don't want to get hung up on, on the law, all that stuff. We, we are very familiar with most of that. Um, but the reality, the reality that we are capable to and free to now choose and have the controlling force in our life become the power of God, become the righteousness of God, to be controlling us is a glorious and exciting thing, especially if you've ever had something that controlled you. If you've ever had a, a, a thing that, that was in your life, even, maybe you didn't even call it sin. Maybe you didn't even realize it was sin at the time. Um, maybe it was before you, you came to Christ, or maybe it was something that you just didn't even realize was sin, but it was controlling your life. And, and that control was causing one bad thing after another. Maybe it caused you to not be able to hold a job. Maybe it caused you to be addicted to drugs. It could be, you know, any extreme of what this controlling. 
you're no longer controlled by that. And the power of, of the gospel, the, the glory of the grace of God is about that. It's that you are no longer controlled by this. And it doesn't happen just instantaneously because I said the sinner's prayer. It begins, and I might have some immediate re ability to respond right then, but it doesn't happen instantaneously. All the different ways that I think and all the different things that I've done are actual physical patterns through my brain. In my, the way my brain works, the way the electrons flow through my brain, they're there. And just because I, I, something made sense doesn't change all those paths. They can be changed, and they are changed over time. Throughout your life, you're, they're constantly changing. Neuroplasticity is real. And your brain will respond. And the more you, the, you break a habit, your, the, the, the uh, proteins in your mind begin to dissolve in your brain. They begin to dissolve, and you form new ones all throughout your life. So when you make good choices, you begin to create new patterns, new ways for the electrons to flow through your brain that will consistently do this and make it much easier to do that again. To break down a bad habit, to break down a bad choice, takes 21 days to begin to break the connection where the electrons don't flow. Another 21 days to begin to stop it uh, entirely, especially if you stay consistent. And a, and a third 21 days to dissolve, to literally dissolve this is physical matter in your brain to dissolve those proteins so that they no longer are there. This is science. This is um, science based off of spiritual belief that someone had, and they were like, hey, I believe that God gives us control, and so they began to study it. And, and most of us know of Caroline Leaf. She spent many years doing this. She developed the science of, of neuroplasticity, and it was against all of the conventional wisdom, and she proved not only that we can do this, we can break habits and we can do this, but she proved that you can, your brain can be healed from almost, and she believes all, but almost any... Um, damage. She has seen people healed, their, their brain healed from the most uh, horrific trauma in car accidents and things like that, that they should never have spoken again, they should have never breathed without a machine, they began in, and they became complete functional adults again, and in some cases higher functional than they were prior to the accident. So I didn't mean to speak on neuroplasticity, but this is, this is the reality of the way God works. And so it doesn't happen instantaneously, and it requires an effort, but it is possible. And when you have access to God, these things immediately begin to start taking effect. And you have, at, 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 maybe at first it's just, oh, the idea that I don't have to do that anymore. This controlling force in my life is, I don't have to do it. And then you begin to see, oh, well, hey, when I do this, I, I feel better. When, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. You start making those choices, and you become free. And so Christ must reign until all enemies be put under his feet. He reigns. He is reigning. He is our Lord. He is the king. The cool thing, it says that he will take the entire kingdom that he's built once he has all of the enemies under his footsteps. And it says he will take that kingdom and he will give it to his father. <laughs> this is such a beautiful picture. So that his father might be all in all. He, it, it is, uh, he, I, you know, that, that is a picture that I don't think I can even imagine it properly. <laughs> but the process of him reigning and is what I'm talking about. He has this, this, this authority in our life that we have come and, and submitted ourselves to, and we are not, no longer submitting ourselves to the 
desires, the ungodly desires of the flesh, we are submitting to him, and we, he is giving us these desires. He's granting us these desires and calling us. And as we do that, we go, we go from glory to glory. You know what that means? From glory to glory? You know, we, we have songs, we use these terms, the Christianese words that don't mean anything a lot of times to us. It means to go from light to brighter light. That's what it means. If you've ever turned on a light... And it was, you know, you can all of a sudden in a total dark room, you can see. But if you've ever tried to read something in that light, it's really hard. You have to get like really close and you're like, you know. But as soon as you turn on a brighter light, you can now see it clearer. You can see the, the finer details. So from, from glory to glory is to go from light to brighter light. To, to step into the light. Now we know things exist to get a brighter light to see the details. And... When we recognize that, we recognize how God operates. We were talking Wednesday night in the Bible study, we were talking about the control and the manipulation of witchcraft and evil spirits and, and talking about um, Jezebel and her, um, the spiritual forces that want to control and how God doesn't operate that way. God does not try to take control over your mind. He wants to work with your mind. He wants to, to challenge you and call you up and inspire you with the reality of, that, of what your life can be and should be and was created to be. And then he says, I will be with you all the way through it. But you have to walk with me. You must come with me. I'm calling you. I'm, I will show you and inspire you to do what is necessary, but you have to come with me. It's not ever and never has been and never will be an instant process, just like the law of sin and death was not an instant process. It was almost a thousand years before Adam died. The, the, the degradation is not an instant process, so we're like, well, we can get by with this. I can do this terrible thing right now. See, it didn't ruin my life. I'm still okay. But you can't control what that's going to mean later in your life. You go spend all your money, every bit of money you have buying something that is useless. You tell me how good your life turns out. The next day, you might be super happy. You just got whatever, you know, you bought a, a $100,000 car or whatever, and you, you know, you don't, now you have no money to, buy, to pay your bills. Whatever it is you, you chose to do. The next day, you still feel good. You're still but in the not-so-long term, <laughs> you'll see that effect. And so none of this is instantaneous either direction. And so he must reign. He must reign. And he must reign in our hearts. He must reign in our vision. He must reign in, our, in, the, in the way that we make our choices until all things are put under his feet. And then he will take the whole kingdom and give it back to his father. I said I was going to scratch into a little bit, and so I will just kind of give you a, a little maybe an inspiration of what I think that, that God's purpose for that, and, and this does tie into the word that I, I received on Wednesday, but that God is calling us and since it doesn't happen instantaneous, he does things simultaneously, right along with 
things that aren't in perfect alignment and are in perfect subjection to him, he does things that are amazing and establish the, the, the purposes that God has had all throughout the history. He begins to establish them. And so the world, just like when Jesus came, the world was changed forever by his presence, his life, his death, his resurrection and ascension. The world was forever changed. But while that happened, most people didn't know. The vast majority of the world didn't know. It took a long time for the gospel to spread um, throughout the world. Didn't, but the whole world was changed. The spiritual realm had been altered, and the world was, was being changed. We will see this when the, when the fullness of this age takes place. We will see, and those who are participating in it will see, just like the disciples witnessed Jesus, his death, and then the road to Emmaus, and, and all the different things that, 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 that they got to witness. But the rest of the world won't know about it. And so the transition into the next age will be a, a people who have received um, the fullness of the inheritance. We've been talking about overcoming on Wednesday nights. We've been talking about the, the admonishment to all the churches to overcome because we all, every one of us have something that we have to face and the difficulties and good things, but there's a, there's a, there's a overcoming and there's a lot of different ideas that you can speak in overcoming. I think that overcoming is, is simply taking the, the things that God has given us, the, the establishment of his ways and building it to the next level instead of becoming comfortable and receding so that the next generation has to build it again. This has happened again and again. And yes, throughout history we have built different things, but on the, the bigger scale of what we're talking about, overcoming sin and establishing the righteousness of God in our life and in society, that yields tons of blessings. But it also yields the temptation to be content. And when you choose to not be content, but to pursue after God with just as much fervor when things are good. And I, I was hearing, a, I listened to a song last week, and there, the song, and I'm not saying that it's wrong. I know that some people get bitter and turn against God in hard times. But by at large, most people when they get hit in the face with something, they're like, oh, God, help me. <laughs> the immediate response is, I don't know what to do. Something bigger has to help me. And they cry out to God in those moments. That is the normal reaction. Now, if they don't see God, then sometimes the bitterness starts to enter in. But the reality is, when things are going well, when things are comfortable, when things, we have what we want at that moment, we don't have the same desire for God. We don't have the same desire to, to ask him for the desires to fill us so that we are now submitted and we're able to receive the transition, the, the, the controlling force changing from the other things controlling us, and we begin to shift back into that. This is overcoming, and the people of God have been called to overcome again and again, and there have been overcomers throughout history, but it's time for an overcoming company. It's no longer about individuals, the, the great people of faith throughout history. It's no longer about individuals. It is about the, the people on earth receiving that and overcoming. And that changes the, the age 
The rest of the world may not know it instantly, but the age will change. And who knows, it might be, there might be some dynamic and powerful things just like what was recorded in the Gospels of Jesus' death and resurrection. They were very, very powerful, but they might be very localized to at first. I don't know, I can't predict all that, but that's just a, a glimpse of, of my ideas on that. And so find this strength, find this sure footing of understanding that the law of sin and death no longer reigns. You have been set free from this. You are set free from this. And just because your parents, just because your grandparents, just because your life has been controlled in many different ways does not mean that it has to remain that way. All those controlling forces can be and are subject to Christ. They are subject. And all those controlling forces, the bad decision-making that continues, the, the, the spirit of poverty, the idea that you can never become and you will never become, and you keep making decisions that keep that happening. The spiritual decisions to become much more available and full. And I thought about doing this, and I may do this again. This would be a good example for the kids, but all, for all of us, is, is, is showing what being full of God is. And one way to, to exemplify that is, is you have a container that, that you have all different kinds of things in. You fill it up with water and it, to the point where it's overflowing and it's running out. And we're like, oh, it's full now. But you reach in and you start taking the things out of the container that aren't, that, that aren't the water. And all of a sudden the water level drops. And now you may have less than half of a container by the time you get these other things out of it. And so the example that... God is saying this, you might be full to the capacity right now, but that's because you're also full of many things that are not supposed to be there. And so as you, as you submit to the, the controlling forces in your life, those things get removed out of your life and you can actually become more full with God, have more of the vision and more of the purpose and the, more of the ability to accomplish this, to be a part of that overcoming company that is establishing the kingdom of God in a permanent way and I said, it's not Jesus, Jesus, it's not Jesus coming back. This is the return of the Lord, though. This is the return of the Lord. And this is his desire, has been, his vision, his purpose for his people all along. Well, that's my thoughts on this for today. I really, I believe that this understanding is what sets us free. It's what gives us perspective and understanding for the call of God, for having a vision for his purposes on the earth. Otherwise, you know, when we get saved, we would just go straight to heaven. There would be no need to live this life. That would be one of the most important witnessing tools, wouldn't it? If all of a sudden we just gave our life to the Lord and then people just started going to heaven, man, everybody's like, I want some of that. But there's a difference, a different thing that God is really after in us. He's not looking for just this going to heaven thing. He's about really changing us, restoring us is probably a better way to put it into what he created us to be so that the purpose for creating mankind will actually exist on the earth. And he wants to transform us. And this comes through faith and walking it out and following these steps that he has given us a way to have the freedom to break this curse, to end the bondage of mankind that happened when Adam and Eve fell. Jesus made that way, and it was the down payment. It was the first installment, and he's going to return with this power to pour into us the full, um, the full 
authority that the church is supposed to have and the full reality and the strength to overcome in every way, but also to take dominion on the earth. Everything lost will be renewed Long ago in the garden it was to be Now a dream fulfilled in you and me Whoa, oh.